So we are in week three of our Christmas series, and uh, a lot of times at Christmas time we use words we would never use throughout the rest of the year. Like, I don't think I've ever in my life, you know, with, there's a certain week, and then outside of that week, I don't think I've ever used the word Yule. Like Yuletide or Yule Log or Yule. I've never even seen the word Yule. I don't even know what Yule means. It's just a word. I've never used the word tinsel outside of Christmas. Have you, have you ever used tinsel? you ever think of that tinsel? You wouldn't. You wouldn't use that. Probably eggnog. It, you probably don't drink eggnog. Well, maybe. I don't know what your problems are, but you might. You might. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, that, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, we sang in excelsis Deo. I will never say in excelsis other, at any other time other, other than Christmas. And, and that's fine. There are certain terms for certain things. But here, here's the thing. We're going to talk about a word this morning that you probably won't use that much for the rest of the year. But you have to get the theological depth of the word. <laughs> Like, it's, it's okay if you forget the word, but you've got to get the concept of what the word means. You've got to get the understanding. If, in fact, the word is true, what that would really mean, just from a day-to-day standpoint. And we'll look at that word in just a little bit. But I, I wanted to share a story. When I was in high school, so this is... This is like 17 years ago. Um, when I was in high school, I played soccer. And so, actually, it was about 30 years ago. And, and, and at that particular time, to play soccer was, uh, soccer already has, you know, is just now getting traction in the United States. You can imagine 30 years ago. It was like I was some European freak or whatever, you know, uh, because I played soccer. Well, um, as I, because I started young at like age 11, I, by the time I got to high school, I was, I was pretty good at soccer. As a matter of fact, uh, I thought I was really good at soccer, okay? Now, you have to understand the context of what, where my um, testosterone-filled young brain was, was, how it was developing. I went to a small Christian school in a small conference of small Christian schools. So when I would get like first team all league, it didn't occur to me that there might actually be larger schools and larger conferences with kids that were getting first team all league in those things. That, that didn't occur to me. What occurred to me was, I think I want to be a professional soccer player. <laughs> That's what was going on in my juvenile uh, brain. And so um, I would play games as though this was my, I was on my path to become a professional soccer player in my small school in its small conference. And so um, that, that was my context. I was a great soccer player. It was my identity. It was what I thought about when I went to bed at night, playing soccer. It was what I thought about as far as my future is concerned. Well, one day um, I was playing a game, and the coach for Azusa Pacific University was the ref. This is how he scouted around. And he said, would you like to come play soccer for me? Which only... um, like drove the delusion farther, okay? And, and so I was like, well, at the time, Westmont College, which was another college in that particular thing, was, the, was like they were the top dog. And so I said, no, 
thanks, you know, but no thanks. I'll go to, go to Westmont. So my coach contacted the coach of Westmont College, a uh, fantastic soccer team they have up there, and they, uh, he drove down to watch me play, and uh, he watched me play, and I thought I did pretty, pretty well, if I do say so myself. And um, he wrote a letter to, the, to, to have the coach give to me, and so I, I opened the letter, and basically the letter said, that, said something to the effect of, nah, <laughs> nah, you're not going to be playing uh, at, at Westmont. And, but then at the bottom, the very last note is, if you want to try to walk on, you can do that. And I thought, well, it must have been the game I was playing. I must have just not had a good game. The sun was in my eyes, the wind, I was probably malnourished. I don't know. Everything was wrong. My team must have blown it. Uh, it must have been the keeper's fault, whatever. Uh, all this kind of stuff. So I, 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 uh, my delusion was almost corrected. But fortunately, I was smart enough to right that ship. And uh, I, now I would go up to Westmont and I would, I would show them. Because now, now it was now I'd you know they could actually see day after day uh, how, how fantastic I was. So the way it works is you get to campus before anybody else. So the only people on campus is the soccer team, and you're there two weeks before anybody else, and you're in the athletic dorm. And uh, my parents you know drove me up there and uh, sent me off you know as I went tumbling with my. Uh, Things and they're like woohoo and off they go because that was empty nest for them. It was party time, so they, they 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 leave. So there I am. I walk in and there's the whole soccer team and everything. It it took about ten minutes, ten minutes before I realized that I was. And, and again, don't please don't be offended by the term I'm going to use. You can send me an email if you want. Whatever I'm going to throw it in the trash. <laughs> this is a very offensive word. I found out I was average. Can I say that in church? Okay. I found out I was average. Now, nowadays, especially in America, especially in Southern California, average is like a bad word. If I were to come up to you and meet your children... And you were to say, oh, this is little Timmy, and this is little Janie, and this is little whoever, and all this kind of stuff. And I would go, oh, wow, wow, your kids are so average. I just, well done, parents, well done. It, they are so average. Or if you were talking to your, your friends, and you're like, I met this girl. Oh, I met her in class. I go, tell us about her. What is she? Is she, is she beautiful? Is she smart? Is she, how can I say that? She's just... She's just average. I mean, average with a capital A. I mean, average, right? You don't use that term. I mean, sometimes as parents, you wish like your kids were great or they were just horrible so they could get attention for that. I mean, it's just something. But average, just average, what, what is that? Now, here's the problem with me. Because I grew up kind of at the, te- like at the beginning stage of the whole idea that if you put your mind to anything, y- you could achieve it. That's not true. <laughs> because I put everything, I was trying, here's the thing, my, I took my entire identity, right? I took all the chips I had of my entire identity and I shoved them in the middle of the soccer table and I tried my hardest 
And at my very, very best, I was average. That was my realization when I first went to college. Now while you're all depressed, uh, guess who showed up right in the midst of my averageness? I don't even know if that's a word. Guess who was there right in the center of the realization that at my very best, at, at, the, at the most I could contribute to this particular aspect of my life, guess who I met there? Jesus. Jesus was at the center of my averageness. Now, some of you here are sitting in the reality of your averageness. That the goals and the dreams and the hopes you had for whatever it is you're in. Maybe you had this dream of retirement where you were going to travel the world. You were going to be in incredible shape. You were going to, maybe you'd be on your second wife. Okay, you know, I don't know. I'm playing around. But like, like maybe like, like, like there was going to be like this is it. And you're there and you realize this is average. Like, I, I, can, I got my house, I can put food on the table, but I'm just kind of, this is it. This is it. Jesus wants to meet you there. Or maybe you are similar to me. Maybe you had uh, something you were doing in high school and you had dreams. You were going to go in college. You were going to be a singer. You were going to be a dancer. You were going to play the drums, as I was talking to somebody earlier. You are going to do all these kinds of things. And, and all of a sudden, you realize as your walls begin to expand, as you begin to step out farther and farther, you begin to realize, I might be average. Now, here's the great news. God is in the business of using average. For God, your weight, your bank balance, your body type, your power, your career, your all that kind of stuff, he has no problem with you being average. Matter of fact, I think, I could be wrong, and maybe it's just because I'm average. I think he kind of prefers it. I think God kind of prefers us to come to the realization, even when we're in power, even when we have the money, even when we made the degree, to realize, you know what? Now that I got it, now that I'm there, now that I've arrived, I kind of feel Average. Well, what I want to do this morning is show you somebody in the Bible who is the epitome of average. And God uses them in such a way. And then I want to show you this word that we're going to see that I will hopefully keep in the back of your mind. That every time you see it during Christmas, uh, you'll think of um, how average I am. No, you'll think of, uh, uh, of the theological impact of that. And then hopefully the, the, the concept of this word will just take you through this week and into 2016. We're going to look at um, 
again, Mary and Joseph. Last week, if you remember, we looked at Mary and what we talked about. And if you missed the sermon, you can go onto our website or go onto iTunes and download the podcast. Uh, We talked about being interrupted by God. That sometimes God, even while we're just going through life, trying to manage things the best we can, sometimes God will just come in and interrupt us. And just without even asking, like he owns the place, right? And so we talk about how how do you handle that? What do you do in that? How do you meet God when he interrupts us? So if you missed that, I'd encourage you to go check it out. And then starting in 2016, we'll have most of this stuff filmed and online if you want to look at that or share it or what have you. But um, here's what Matthew say. Matthew's going to talk about what we looked at last week was Luke's version of the angel coming to talk to Mary. Now we're going to look at Matthew's version of, of the, the same few days, okay? Matthew 18, verse 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, and I won't go into all the details of how that works, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, again, just to understand what's going on, Mary and Joseph were betrothed. They weren't just engaged. It wasn't like Joseph said, hey, you want to marry me? And yeah, well, when do you want to get married? Well, maybe in the summertime. Okay, you know, we'll, we'll work it all out. And then as they start, started shopping for dresses, you know, Mary gets cold feet and can leave. Or Joseph says, wow, she's really, you know, as the stress of the, as the wedding comes, Joseph is like, she's cuckoo, I'm out of here. They're betrothed. They're like, it's a contract. This is kind of like being married, okay? So they're married, except they don't have the, the next step of that. And uh, she becomes pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now wa- wa- watch what it says about Joseph. This is really, really cool. And, and just to give you a, an idea of how average this couple was. They're from a town called Nazareth. Nazareth isn't mentioned in the Old Testament at all. It, like for the Old Testament, it doesn't even exist. Like there's not even a prophecy that something cool is going to happen in Nazareth. They live in, um, it'd be like uh, Blythe, California, okay? So like if you, it, 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 you know, Blythe, if I said the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah is coming. It's Jesus of Blythe. You'd be like, What? Like Blythe, even the name is like, what are we going to name it? Oh, I don't know. Blech. Okay, Blythe. You know, whatever. I mean, however it works out. And first service, by the way, we had somebody from Blythe, and that's why I'm walking with a limp right now. But, uh, you know, but, but that's it. I mean, it's just like in the middle of nowhere, you know, just kind of, uh, that's where they're from. As a matter of fact, even their county, Galilee, what, what happened when Jesus comes on the scene, one of the disciples says to Nathaniel, I found the Messiah. Is Jesus from Nazareth. And you know what Nathaniel says? Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, like, now Blythe does have a Starbucks, so we'll give them that, but Nazareth did not. Uh, and so, so that was kind of the thing. And then when the, when the Pharisees were fighting over how could somebody do all these miracles and annoy us so much, which is a, basically their argument, as they were trying to manage this tension, they said, go back to all your parchments and stuff and see if anyone comes out of Galilee. That was like their county, you know. So not only was the city nothing, the county was nothing. And this is where God meets them in Averageville. And so he says, she becomes pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now watch Joseph. 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law because the law said that if you got pregnant before you were married or you got pregnant while you were married, essentially, which is what happened by somebody else or you had sex with somebody outside of marriage, whatever, that you could divorce, that they just write her a thing of divorce and some of the laws say that they get uh, hit with rocks a lot. But uh, he's, he, listen to what he says. And yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. I just think that is such a sweet uh, thing that you, know, you kind of get an idea of who Joseph is. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So that's what he came up with. He's like, look, I don't know what he was thinking was. We all make mistakes, whatever. But basically, this isn't going to work out. But I, let's not make this a big ordeal. We'll just quietly let it go. And I, now, here's the thing. If Mary were rich, like let's just say she had a lot of money, she could probably work her way out of this situation. If she had money, she could just stay in her big house or, or, or just, you know, there'd be m- m- servants and stuff. They could kind of hide her away and, and she could have money get her out of this situation that she's pregnant before she gets married, essentially. If she was in a position of power, people would murmur behind her back, but nobody would say anything. They'd just go like, oh, you know, wonder who the husband is or who the father is or whatever, whatever the, the, the whole thing is. But Mary, Mary's average. Mary's got nothing. She, she just basically has this situation going on. And watch what happens to Joseph. He's going he's gonna to just quietly let the whole thing settle. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And for some of you sitting here who feel like you're at a place in your life where you've gotten to a place where you just have to settle for average... This is exactly where Mary is. Now, Mary's conceived by the Holy Spirit was actually conceived by the Holy Spirit. But for you, maybe God is going to birth something out of your averageness that could only be accomplished if you were average. Because if he births something out of your greatness, guess what you're going to (laughs) think? The same thing I thought. When I was 16 years old, 17 years old, well, I'm great. Of course, that was my plan all along. But something being birthed out of your averageness, God is all about that. As a matter of fact, I, I wrote this thing down as I was preparing the sermon. This one phrase kept coming back to me. And so every time that happens, I write it down so I can share it with you. And maybe this is something God would have for you. But, but this Holy Spirit begins to conceive something great in the midst of this averageness. And so I wrote this down. When you combine your plainness with God's greatness, your life is anything but average. Because you're going to buy into the lie, like I would buy into the lie culturally, that the only way to have a great life is to excel in something greatly. To be noticed for something. To achieve something. To be better than. 
Average just takes the whole pool and puts you in the middle. That's, that's, not, that's not what we celebrate in this culture. We celebrate greatness. We celebrate the person who can get up and just spout things. And we get the person who can score things. And we, we celebrate the person who looks a certain way. That, that's what we celebrate. But average. When we combine our plainness, just us, with God's greatness... The things that even were plain before take on a whole new eternal meaning, a whole new meaning of importance. That plain marriage that you have can be used by God in incredible ways. That plain bank account you have that doesn't have as many zeros as you wished it had can be used by God in extraordinary ways. Ways Those plain relationships, your plain car, the one you drive that looks like every other car that anyone has ever driven. As a matter of fact, if you said, that's my car in the parking lot, you can't even find it. That's how plain it is. That car can be used by God in incredible ways for the kingdom of God. When we combine our plainness, just our vanilla, (laughs) with God's greatness, our life becomes anything but average. And here's what happens. the, The angel continues with Joseph. She will give birth to a son. And you are a, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew reaches back 740 years to the prophet Isaiah. To be like, okay, Mary and Joseph, your life is average. But let me tell you something. 740 years ago, there was a prophet Isaiah, and he said this was going to happen to you. And here's what he says. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And here's the word I want us to get this morning. And they will call him Emmanuel. And even Matthew, who's writing, uh, who, who is Jewish, and he's writing this probably to Jews, probably a mixed group like ours is, you know, mixed group. Even he wants you to get the idea, like, don't lose Lose it in the word. Like, Emmanuel, I don't know what that means. Or, oh yeah, Emmanuel. Even he writes it in parenthetical statements, like, which means God will. So you get the gravity of what's going on. It means God with us. That in the midst of my averageness, God was with me to see me into that next chapter. Now, I don't know what God was thinking when I came to this realization because the problem, it got even worse for me because. I realized that I was average in about 10 minutes, but I was there, I had to be there for two weeks. <laughs> so every day, every practice, two practices a day, every drill, I had to be reminded, you're kind of <laughs> average, right? And I don't know what was happening in the heavenlies. I don't know what was happening with Jesus, but I would, now that I've had this relationship with Jesus as long as I have, I would imagine that he was like, finally, I'll be able to use you. 
Finally, you've given up that. Not that becoming a professional soccer player wasn't a, a, a great dream or what, what all that kind of stuff. But he said, finally, you, now you can rest in me, God with you. Now, if I bestow incredible DNA in you or you start juicing and you do become a professional soccer player, okay, we'll, we'll deal with that with me, okay? And so, so that's, that's the... That's the reality of where I was in my averageness. God finally said, look, do you see now? I've been with you all along. And so he says, uh, and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. Here's the way John puts it. John wrote in the gospel, just like the one we're reading in Matthew, although it's written uh, radically differently. John starts his gospel exactly like Genesis starts. Genesis starts in the beginning. God created, right? John starts his, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. He's talking about Jesus. And the, uh, the Word uh, was with God, and the Word was God. That's what, how he starts it out. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, in John in verse 14, watch what he says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That even God, when he decided to come as a human, decided to be average. The, the, the Bible actually says in Philippians chapter 2, it says this. It says, um, it says, even though he existed in the form of God, like he, even though he was terrifying, okay? Because every time God shows up prior to Jesus as a baby, it's terrifying, okay? When, when, when God shows up to Job, it was a whirlwind. It was a tornado. Terrifying. Like, you don't, you know, it's like, I, just, I wish God would just show himself to me. No, you do not wish God would just show himself to you. It's terrifying. When he shows himself to Abraham, the Bible says it's a floating furnace or a floating, like, uh, uh, oven ablaze, right? Like, no thank you. I don't, I don't want to have any part of that. That's how he shows up to Abraham, okay? When he shows up to Moses and they're traveling through the desert, he's a pillar of fire at night, and then in the tent of meeting, he's a cloud, and if you get near it, you die, okay? That's how God, it says Philippians, even though he existed in the form of that, like terrifying, he did not regard equality with God something to be held onto, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, of a baby. It says, if you get into the Greek language of that particular passage, it says he had no reputation. Like his Facebook pages, I uh, got up this morning, went to work, went to bed, see you tomorrow. Like, Oh, we got a post from Jesus. Got up this morning, went to bed, like no reputation, nothing. The Bible even goes so far as to say he didn't even look like anything special. That's how the God of the universe chose to be displayed. Average. It says he made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Well, how did that happen? If he's average, how did we see his glory? Well, what we saw was the glory of his heavenly father shining through him. So this average guy, this average person, no big thing, didn't have a degree, turns water into wine. This average Joe, Jesus, right? This average guy feeds 5,000. This average guy heals the blind, touches the leper and is clean, tells the paralytic, hey, get up and walk, tells the paralytic, 
Your sins are forgiven. Average. Because as Paul said, God doesn't want it to rest on persuasive words or whatever, but on the power of God. And so this average Jesus who looks average just like us lives this sinless life to explain to us, do you want a, you want a not average life? Turn everything you have over to him. And so Jesus comes in the form of a baby. He makes his dwelling uh, among us. So Jesus comes uh, or God is displayed in this terrifying way in the New Testament and then comes as a baby uh, as in the Old Testament and then comes as a baby in the New Testament. Even Paul talks about this. One time Moses saw God just from his back, like just saw his back, and his face shone so brightly that people freaked out. Like, like, like the, the, the reflection of God hit Moses' face. And, and it was like, it was like shining. And as that began to dissipate, they put a veil over Moses' face. And so Paul is as enamored with that story as we are. And here's what he says, because he, he talks about what it is like now. He says, but we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. Not into our image. Not into, oh, we need to weigh this much or have this much or make this much or marry this person or whatever. Into his image. With ever-increasing glory, which does not sound like a boring life to me or an average life to me, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The thing I want us to get... And I, and I was, I was <laughs> this is one of the frustrations sometimes as I study is that I have something I want to get across and so I'm trying to figure out the best way to get it across. Um, and, and so I, I struggle with, okay, well, how, how do I say it? And, and, and so, so I'm just going to say it, <laughs> okay? Because I couldn't come up with something. God is with you. As a matter of fact, Emmanuel comes from two different sections. Emmanuel, God, uh, I'm sorry, with us. Emmanuel is with us, and El is short for Elohim. With us, God. And so my hope as we step into Christmas parties and, and, and visa bills and, and decisions we have to make, and how, what do we do with this, and what do we do with that, and what do we do, that, that, that you would just come down to the statement, with me, God, with me, God, Emmanuel, God with us. He is with us. And that Emmanuel becomes not just something we say at Christmas time, but that as we enter into 2016, and I'm going to ask you to stretch yourself a little bit in 2016, that you would have this idea, you know what? With me, God. Jesus, uh, I mean, Paul said it this way. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, who gives me strength. With me, God. Emmanuel, with us, God. God with us. As Adjua comes back up, I, um, oftentimes we, um, 
Audra and I will talk during the week, and she'll say, what are you preaching on, or what have you. And sometimes uh, that happens, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes I know the songs that are coming, and sometimes I don't. As a matter of fact, if you ever see me looking at my phone during the service, I'm trying to figure out if that's the last song, and I need to come up a little underbelly of the beast, if you will. But, uh, and so I'm trying to see what, what song it was. But as we were singing the third song, which riffs off of this verse that I'm about to read, I was like, man, you did it again, Lord. And we, we, Audra and I joke about this quite a bit because she'll say, did you see my song list? And I'm like, like, I lie sometimes and say, yeah, no, I, I don't. But it's like the way it matches up is incredible. But check this out. We sang this not half an hour ago. Romans 8, 38, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor average soccer playing, nor an average marriage, or an average bank account, or angels, or demons, neither the present, nor the scariest thing that we have in our world, the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to uh, separate us from the love of God that is in Emmanuel, our Lord. That nothing that you're going through now or will go through in the future or the dreams and hopes that you had that now are not being fulfilled and you sit in your averageness, nothing will separate you from Jesus. And so here's my question. If God is going to do this, okay, in other words, exist in the form of God, terrifying whirlwinds and fires and pillars of clouds and burning ovens, all this kind of thing that God, we say, God of wonders, right? The universe declares your majesty. If he's going to go through giving all that up to be in the form of a baby, what is keeping you from connecting with him? What's keeping you from, from, from just grasping on and saying, okay, you're with me. I get that. Now I'm going to be with you. I, I, and it might be, you know, you'll probably come to the conclusion that I come to every time I have to ask this question. It's probably the cost of giving up something. And maybe it is a relationship or a dream or a, a way you're going or a career or all this kind of stuff where you say, man, I want a sense. I, w- I want my averageness to be combined with his greatness. And God is going, I've done everything I need to do. Let's go. It's your turn. What are you going to do? And so here's, here's what we do during these times. We do a couple things. Um, we fill out... Uh, our connection card, which John VA talked about, and, and we ask every household to fill it out. And if you have a prayer request or whatever, just just fill that out. We do that during this time. The other thing we do is, um, if if this is a church that you give to um, and you don't give online, then this is the time you prepare your offering. And the offering isn't to Living Spring; it's to God Himself. And this might be one of your costs. You know, you might say, you know what, I've been living for myself and my finances, and this is, the, this is going to be the thing. I'm going uh, to meet God in my finances right now, and may, maybe that's it. And so we prepare that, and all those things, the connection cards and the offering, we don't really pass anything around. But as you leave, it goes in a box in the back. But here's my hope for this morning. My hope for this morning is that You come to the realization, if you don't already know, that God is with you. 
and that you listen for him, what is it that's keeping you from him? And that you give that up this morning. And for some of you, this may be the first time you've ever even stepped into or considered stepping into a relationship with God. If that happens this morning, I would ask you, on this thing, they'll say, I, I've made a connection. I've committed my life to Christ or I've re- recommitted my life to Christ. You check that off so I could get in contact with you this week and help you with that journey. We want to help you with that. Let me, uh, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, with us. You're with us now. You're here. You're in this very room. Lord God, we want to strip away anything that keeps us from you. We want to connect with you. Lord, we want you to use our averageness for a life of greatness in your kingdom, a life of eternal purpose, a life that connects with things outside of ourselves, outside of our own striving, Lord. I just pray for you to Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.